You guys doing okay today? Not too hot? Oh, there's one. <laughs> hey, let's open our Bibles to uh, Revelation chapter 3. We are going to finish the seven churches today. We're on the seventh church today. And, uh, you know, I really have enjoyed looking at these seven churches, but I think the biggest thing that sticks out to me is that Jesus is speaking. And he's speaking to the church. He's not speaking to the world. He's speaking to the church, to those that are part of the church. And, you know, the book of Revelation obviously is full of prophecy and about the end times and what's happening. So this is kind of like the precursor, the, the, the lead up to, you know, the great tribulation and all the other things that will be happening. And, and so he has some very strong and very careful words that I believe that he speaks to the churches during these these uh, last days, these last times, he has some, some good things to say, not to everyone. He has some correction to give, not to every church. But he tells every church, you know, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. And I think if you look around, as far as I can tell, everybody here has two ears. So that means we should really be listening doubly, I think. We've got to listen to what Jesus has to say. Last week we looked at the Church of Philadelphia. You know, it's really the Church of Doors and Promises. And, and Jesus is the key holder. When He opens the door, what an exciting thing. When Jesus opens the door, no man can shut it. When He shuts a door, no one can open it. And, and so we can trust in Him. We have to hold on to Him, His power, His sovereignty, His his ability and who he is. He said to the church at Philadelphia, you know, they just had a little bit of strength, but even though they only had a little bit of strength, he said to them that they had kept his word and that they, that they didn't deny his name. And so that's some pretty cool stuff, I think. And then he talked about all the promises that he had uh, for that church there. You know, and for you and I, what's better than that, that we keep his word and we don't deny his name, and, and he's going to take care of us. He's going he's to bless us. He's, he, he's always going to do what's right for his people, for his children. So today, now, we look at the church of Laod, Laodicea, or the church of the Laodiceans. And uh, I have to say, this is not a good message. This is the lukewarm church. The lukewarm church. It's not, it's not a, good, a good message it's not good things. He has no commendation at all whatsoever for this church. The lukewarm church. Now, how many of you, let me ask you, how many of you like your coffee lukewarm? One. How many like it hot? How many like it cold? A lot more. We'll give her the benefit of the doubt. Lukewarm coffee, I think, is like, ugh. Like, don't, it's not even worth drinking. It, sorry, excuse me. It's like water, you know. Uh, it, on a hot summer day, just lukewarm water just doesn't do it. But nice, ice-cold water, it really does it. The, the definition of lukewarm is this, tepid. It's neither hot nor cold, not showing much enthusiasm or interest, moderately warm, or I like this, half-hearted. 
just half-hearted. That's the church that, that Jesus is writing to, this last church. He saves this message for last for whatever reason. They were moderately warm. They were lukewarm. They were half-hearted. They really weren't all in. Let's pick it up in verse 14. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. My first point is this, it's Jesus. Jesus is speaking, but he, he declares here who he is. He is the, the Amen, and he's giving us his word, and he's the Amen. And what does the Amen mean? It means it's the last word. When you pray and you finish, you say Amen. That's the last word. It also means so be it. Jesus is the Amen. He is the last word. He is the, the, the beginning and the end. He's the ultimate authority. Why do I make a point about that? Is because what he says, what he goes on to say, uh, you know, if you know, if you and I know who he is, we're going to listen to what he says. He's not just a nobody, he is somebody. He is the ultimate authority. Says he's the faithful and he's the true witness. He's going to tell you and I the truth. He's the ruler of God's creation. All creation came about through him. And he's also the ruler of this creation. If he's the ruler of all creation, shouldn't we be listening to what he has to say? Point number one. What's point number one? Point number one. I said it. One word. Jesus. That's right. Thank you. Uh, extra donut for you, but you got to go get it yourself over at Dunkin' Donuts, okay? Jesus is point number one. Point number two, however, is this word lukewarm, this church that was lukewarm. Point number two found in uh, verses 15 and 16. Look what it says. Jesus says, I know your deeds. I know. He knows all about them. He knows all about you and me. He says that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were, we were either one or the other. And so, because you are lukewarm... Neither hot nor cold, he says, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Wow. Jesus talks like that, isn't he? You know, Jesus meek and mild. No, Jesus is the ruler of all God's creation. He can say what he needs to say, and he was very strong with them. Why? Because they needed it. We're going to see in a few verses that the reason why he spoke like this. But notice he says he knew, he knew all about their lives, their business, their employment, what they were occupied with. That's what the deeds included. And he says that you are neither cold nor hot. You're just, you're not much of anything. I believe in that church there was like this indifference. There was this compromise. There was, there was you know, trying to play the middle. Trying to, trying to be a little bit of hot and a little bit of cold. And what happens when you mix hot and cold water? What do you get? You get lukewarm, right? You know, the old sinks. Um, some of you remember back this, but the old sinks, they just had the two faucets, right? And you had your hot water over here and your cold water over here. And, and you, you'd, have to, you'd have to put a stopper in the sink. 
and then you turn on the hot and cold. Well, now, now we have these fancy faucets that mix it for you, right? You just kind of turn it one way or the other or turn each one and it all mixes for you. You don't got to get that gross stopper in there and all that weirdness. So it, it, but, but when you mix hot and cold, that's what you get. A little bit of hot and a little bit of cold ends up with a lot of lukewarm. And, and, and Jesus is saying that's not okay. It's not okay. Some people call it like this. We try to have one foot in the world and one foot in the church. And what happens when you do that? You get torn apart. You will be torn apart. I, I, I read a quote there. It says this. Uh, a man said this. He says, a halfway Christian which would be a lukewarm Christian. It says he works both sides of the street. He's religious because it helps him in business and gives him a self-righteous satisfaction, but he has no intention of of making Jesus the Lord of his life. Yet our Lord said he would rather a man be cold, utterly without profession to be a Christian, rather than medium, lukewarm, or moderate. Jesus is saying that right here. He says, I wish you were either one or the other. That seems to say to me that we have a choice in the matter, don't we? We have a choice in the matter whether we're going to be one or the other. He gives us that choice. Are you going to be lukewarm? Are you going to be hot? Are you going to be cold? But, but Jesus says, don't stay on the fence. Jesus says, you've got to make a decision. You've got to make a choice. What is important to me? Am I going to live for Jesus? Am I going to be all in? Am I going to follow him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength? That's what he said. The greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Not just a little part of it, not half of your heart. And love the world with the other half. These are hard-hitting words. They're, They're for us today, though, because we're part of the church. This is for you. This is for me. What are my priorities? Am I, am I, am I taking in things that are, gonna, that are gonna give me that, the hot? Or am I taking in the stuff that's gonna cool me away from my faith, my walk with Jesus? Elijah the prophet, that guy was insane. But he said to the people, he said to the people this, And this is the people of Israel. He said, how long? How long will you waver between two opinions? He said, if the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. He says, how long are you going to try to do this two things? You're going to do one or the other. And Jesus is saying the same thing. Listen, you're not doing me any good coming here professing to be something that you're not. Pretending to be when you're, you're, you're trying to be both. It's no good. He, he would rather you make a decision. If you're going to go that way, go that way. If you're going to go this way, go this way. You see what I'm saying? Does it make sense? The interesting thing in that, in that passage that's found in 1 Kings 18, by the way, after he said those words to them, it says this, but the people said nothing. The people said nothing. They, they didn't have a response. Later on, we will see they make responses, but the people said nothing. And when you and I say nothing, it's, 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 
the same thing as saying whatever. I'll be whatever, whatever I am. A little bit of this, a little bit of that. Paul the Apostle said, Romans chapter 12, he said, Never, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. And that word fervor is another uh, 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 a word that's related to the word for hot we, we find here in the book of Revelation. Keep your heat. You've got, you got a choice to make. Like I said, what's important? What are your priorities in life? Is it watching the latest HBO movie or is it spending time with Jesus and finding out what he has to say for your life? Oh, you can do both, but, but what is going to feed you? What is going to help you along the path? What is going to bring the fire in your life? He says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. There was a guy named Apollos in Acts chapter 18. It says this, he had been instructed, he'd been taught in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor the same word, with, with hot, he was with heat, he was on fire. He taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. He didn't have all the facts, he didn't have all that he needed, and, and another couple came along and helped fill in what he didn't understand. Ananias, not Ananias and Sapphira. <laughs> My mind's gone blank. The other couple, help me out. The couple that helped Apollos, it'll come to me. Aquila and Priscilla, thank you. Aquila and Priscilla. Ananias and Sapphira, that's not a good thing. They were actually trying to be lukewarm. It didn't go so well for them. He didn't understand at all, but yet he, what he did have he held to so tightly that the, the people were just like, wow, this guy, you know, he really holds on to what he has. He's really on fire for his faith, in, 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 and, he, and he shares it. You can just see it. Do you think people can see in our lives whether we're lukewarm or whether we're hot or whether we're cold? I think they can. The people around us, they'll know. Is, are you a dedicated sold-out Christian, people can see that. Are you just sort of like a Sunday Christian where, you know, I'll go there and Sundays, Sunday I'll give to, to God, but, on you know, six days of the week I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do my thing, I'm going to do the world's thing, and, 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 and do you think people can't see that in our lives? Do you think Jesus can't see it? Jesus saw it about with them, and, and, and the, the words that he says are just like, he says, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. And the, word, the literal word, uh, word is vomit. So what does that tell us? That tells us, what a graphic picture that is. Uh, that tells us that Jesus is revolted by us trying to live a lukewarm life. Jesus, let me say that again because we, we have to get this. Jesus is revolted by you and I trying to live a lukewarm Christian life. He would rather, he says it, he would rather just choose one or the other, but don't try to do both. Don't try to be a lukewarm in the world and in the church type person. Some of the causes 
we see in the next few verses, some of you are saying, I, I, I hope I want you to move on and I'm, I'm going to move on. But, but I, these are not my words. These are the words of the amen, the one who gets the last word. He says this in verse 17, you say to these ones, he says, I'm about to spit you or spew you out of my mouth. He says, you say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. There was a, a sense of self-reliance, a sense of self satisfaction the, but but really what it was in the end it was self-delusion you say you think man i'm okay and maybe some of some of us you know came here today and we say well I, I think i'm okay but but maybe jesus is saying you're not okay you think you're okay that's what he told them you think you're okay you say i'm i'm good he says but you don't realize you don't realize you you're not good you're wretched you're pitiful poor blind and naked there was a reality check that was needed in their lives. And, and you and I, you and I sometimes need a reality check. I'm reminded of, of uh, many, many years ago, I was living at my parents' house. And I'll just say it like this. I was pretty much freeloading. You know what a freeloader is? But I'm, but I'm professing to be a believer, and I'm, uh, you know, saying, well, let's, can I do a, a Bible study on Christmas Day? And, you know, I do this Bible study. But my dad takes me aside, uh, you know, not long after that, and he said, you know what, son? You need to get up off your rear and get to work. You need to do something. And you know what? I was like, that was a reality check for me. And you know what? He was 100% right. And I, I went and I got a job, and I went and I got an apartment with a friend of mine, and I, and I did what I needed to do. Sometimes Jesus has to speak like that to you and I because there's a disconnect between what we think and what he thinks. Which one do we want to follow, what I think or what he thinks? There was a young woman... She went to her pastor and she said, Pastor, I have a besetting sin. She said, I want your help. I, I come to church on Sunday and I can't help thinking that I'm the prettiest girl in the congregation. just want to make sure I'm not going to blow away here. <laughs> She says, I know I ought, I, I ought not to think like that, but I can't help it. I want you to help me. And, and the pastor said this. He said, Mary, don't worry about it. In your case, it's not a sin. It's just a horrible mistake. Sometimes we got this illusion. It's really a delusion. I'm really okay. But is that what Jesus says to us? Are we okay? Are we willing to say, Jesus, what about me? Am I okay? Am I really sold out for you? Am I really following you like, like you are the way, the truth, and the life? Like you are what's most important? Like all my bets are on you? That's what it means to be all in, right? I'm not encouraging you to gamble either. 
The church of Smyrna, which we looked at a number of weeks ago, they thought they were poor, but Jesus said, you were really rich. And here it's the opposite. They thought they were one thing. They thought they were rich, but they were really poor. Chester, Chesterton, the writer, said this, no man's really any good till he knows how bad he is or might be. I think you and I, we need to get, get real. Jesus said that, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You and I need to know that the way up is down always, that we need to humble ourselves and say, Jesus, what about me? Point number three is an invitation. Point number one was what again? And point number two was... I can't hear you. You got to say it really loud. Lukewarm, yeah. Lukewarm. Don't say it lukewarm. Just because it means lukewarm, you know. Say it loud. <laughs> Point number three is an invitation. He says this. Verse 18, I counsel you. I counsel you. I love that word counsel. You know, I need counseling. And he counsels me every single day, and I kid you not. He says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. He said that, you know, you are, you are poor, you're blind, you're naked. He says, I have the answers. I have what you need. Come to me. Come to me, he says. I give, I'll give you the answer. I've got the answers for you. We need to go to him for everything. Why does he say these things? Verse 19, I promised I would tell you why, because he tells us why. He says, those whom I love. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Why is he telling us these things? Why would he speak such direct words to the church at Laodicea? Because he loved them. He loves his church. In fact, Paul tells us in Ephesians that how much did he love his church? He gives it to us in Ephesians chapter 5. He, he loved his church so much that he gave his life for the church. As a husband should do for his wife. Those whom I love, he says, I rebuke and discipline. It's not easy. You know what? I was kind of angry at my dad when he, when he kind of rebuked me. I, I really, it wasn't a happy moment. But you know what? Looking back now, he did it because he loved me. He did it because he loved me. And, and Jesus speaks to you and I because he loves us. He, you know, he, he wants only the best for us. And lukewarm is not best. He says, be earnest. That's another word that's derived from the word for hot. So be earnest and repent and change direction. He goes on with his invitation in verse 20, a verse that many of us have heard 
before many times. He says, verse 20, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. It's another invitation here. You know, we, we kind of hear that and people use that. Evangelists use it when they're, you know, uh, giving a message uh, to ask people to, to let Jesus Christ into their hearts and, and uh, to become believers. But you know what? And I used to think, well, you know, they're using that, that verse wrongly. But, you know, the truth of the matter is it's for both unbelievers and for believers. It's for both. You and I need, uh, as, unbelie as an unbeliever, you and I need to open the door and let Jesus in because he is knocking, he wants in. And that's how we become believers. That's how we become born again. Uh, John says that, you know, those who believe and receive, he, became, he gave the power to become children of God. To those who believe and receive. And Jesus is knocking. He wants to come in. And we need to receive Jesus Christ into our hearts and lives. But for believers as well, it's kind of a, a rebuke in a sense is that sometimes we try to keep him out. And, and there he is. He's knocking on the door. He's speaking to the church, to the believer as well. And he wants to come in. He wants to come in and have fellowship. He wants to have relationship with you and with me. He wants that. It says he loves why is he talking like this? Because he loves us. He's at the door and he's knocking. He says, if anyone, it gets down to the individual. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, he says he will come in. Notice this, that, that you and I have to open the door. There's a famous painting. I, I, I didn't see it, but I read about a famous painting where, where Jesus is on the outside of this door and there's no knob on the outside. Why? Because the knob is on the inside. The knob is on the inside. You and I have to open the door. He's not going to force his way in. He's not going to make you have a relationship, a deep relationship with him. He won't do that. He's, he, he's not going to do that. He's knocking, though. He wants that with you and with me. It's really kind of cool what he says. He says, I will come in and I will eat with him. And he with me, he, he, it's referring really here to the, to the main meal of the day where it was this, this meal that, that it was unhurried. It was a time of fellowship. And, and the way, you know, meals are supposed to be, sometimes we, you know, we, we eat our food real quick and we hurry and we're gone. But in some places we see it like in Italy when we went there, you know, they want to have a meal for, for hours and hours. And it's a time where you, where you have this fellowship and you talk. And, and, and that's what he wants. He wants to come in and to have that kind of relationship, that kind of time with us. The final promise and the challenge found in verses 21 and 22. It says, to him who overcomes, and that's through faith in him, faith in Jesus. He says, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This opportunity to, to, to reign with him, it talks about in other places, Revelation chapter 20, 2 Timothy chapter 2. 
He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Jesus is speaking. He's speaking today. Maybe some of us, you know, think we're okay. But he's knocking. He says, I want to I come in. I want to I have this kind of relationship with you, with me. I find it interesting that we can get so on fire and so zealous about a sports team or about politics or about some current issue. But what about over Jesus? Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. He's knocking. He wants to come in, and you know what? He has everything we need. He has everything that you and I need. Let's pray together, shall we? Oh, Lord Jesus, we come and we humble ourselves before you today. We're here and we're out in the green meadow and we, we are blessed with so many things and perhaps we think we're greater than we are. And, and, and I know that anything you might say to us, you'd say it only because you love us. You want what's best for us. It's challenging words, I know that, and, and, and Lord, but your word is true. We can, we can take it to the bank. We, we can count on it. We can rely on it. We can hold on to it. You've given us, Lord, those choices, those daily choices to make. Am I going to live for you today or am I going to live for myself? Am I going to let you be on the throne today or am I going to be on the throne? Am I going to get sucked up into the world or am I going to follow Jesus and that narrow path? Or just take that wide path along with the crowd? It's our choice, Lord. You give us that choice. Lord, I pray by your Holy Spirit you'd help us to make better choices, make right choices, to do the right thing. And Jesus, you're knocking at our hearts. Maybe those that, that have never received you, or you're knocking at their heart today too. You want to come in. You want to give life. You want to give hope. You want to give help. You want to bring the truth. Maybe that's you today. You're hearing these words and you can, you can let him in. He's knocking right now. You can let him in. Just open the door. The handle is on your side. Open the door and let him in and he will come in. I promise you, he, he, he did for me 42 years ago. 44 years ago. You can simply pray and say, Jesus, I, 
I open the door. I ask you in right now to my life, to my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can we stand and sing one more song together?